We're live. We are live. This is the audio podcast, show 85, um, the EDM crisis, recording on Tuesday, the 21st of May, 2013. And I am Samuel Freeman. And I am Adam Yunch. And those of you with experience in the audio podcast will notice a very significant omission amongst our ranks. Uh, where is Scott Hewitt? Where is he? He may or may not show up. Who knows? Who knows? Well, this is our return return. This is our second return of the year. Um, our first one kind of didn't last very long, but yeah, I think things are a bit more stable now all around. We might actually get a bit of a run on. So what have we got in the show this week? We have software updates, service updates, robot faces, microphones, and other stuff. Plus a review and one of the software updates um, is Reason 7. It's been out for a little while. And I think it was just today or yesterday that there was an update to 7.0.1. I haven't installed that. But this is kind of like what it looks like. And there's some new stuff. So we're going to have a look at what some of the new things are. Sweet. 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 Okay. The first significant thing is external MIDI. Now, Um, I I happen to read... uh, uh, a little bit about this this morning in Sound on Sound magazine, uh, Reason Notes, I think it was called. And yeah, I had no idea it can do external MIDI. It's it's new. It's there. So now you can, on the back of the rack, you can patch in the CV and um, gate values. And yep, apparently only one assignable CC can be sent at a time, but there's nothing stopping you from having a whole bunch of these all targeted to the same thing so that you can control multiple parameters on your hardware synths. One of my favorite things about this, though, in terms of their publicity and stuff, is that a couple of releases ago, the all the visual stuff relating to Reason was all about chucking all your hardware synths, putting them in the cupboard, and not using them anymore, because now Reason's so wonderful, you could do everything in Reason. And now they're saying, look, now you can plug all your stuff back in. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a good addition. I'm... I'm a fan of external... Well, I know we're both fans of MIDI, me and you. I'm not mm-hmm. sure about Scott. Um, and I'm a fan of external hardware. I've got a decent cache of it just to my left, which is this way. Um, but I don't use reasons, so it well, actually has very little bearing on me. Except that you can, in demo mode, it's completely fully functional. I think that it's, for, it's a lot of fun because you could just get... Well, it'll take you an hour to download it and, you know, 20 minutes to install it. But then you can plug in one of these matrixy things and throw notes out at your synth. And then you can just leave the computer running and go and play with your hands-on editing the programs for the sounds. And, yep, that's that's the only way I've used this MIDI external instrument thing within the Reason Rack so far. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun because you can get MIDI output very easily and quickly. Now, something else I know that they've added is faders to somewhere where there wasn't faders before. Yes, indeed. Okay, so if I add this, an audio track, this is a mixer track. Um, I'll add an audio track as well. They're kind of similar. Um, If I show the rack and the mixer at the same time, we have here a fader that was not there before. So when you're in the, if you were just in the, so say you were in your sequencer and rack view, then you can easily change the volume of things without having to get the mix view back up. 
Nice. And, yeah, very nice. This reminded me of um, how in Logic there are multiple faders in different places, but they're not the same one here. They are the same. They're linked, yeah. It's easy to get caught out with some of uh, Logic's faders, depending on how you've constructed your session. For sure, for sure. But that's a good addition. Anything else? Um, yes, Spectrum, I've got no audio running. I'm not going to spend time doing that. Um, but this is a Spectrum analyzer that floats up, which you can have to... It can only monitor one track at a time, or one stereo track, including all the master section, um, or you can have it follow whatever you've got selected. And it shows in real time the uh, an FFT-type spectro graph. So and that's right. Is this is this an EQ as well, or is ah, it yep, just it, a spectrogram? It, no, it is linked to the EQ, so you can show these so that you can then change the EQ curve whilst the audio goes in the background. Nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. Um, what else is new? Um, there's new sounds, I suppose, in the sound bank. That's that's well, yeah, there are um, bus channels is a new thing. So if we had, let's get a couple more audio tracks just there. Um, I'll go to the mixer view. The output at the bottom of each track defaults to the master section. But if I were to select a bunch of these, so say those two, I could make a new. I could press Control G, or it's now the output of these is now going to this and the output of that is going to and you can actually route these all over the place so I could decide that I want the output of this group bus to go to that mixed channel I made at the beginning so now that's going to there I would probably reorder them so that it makes a bit more sense logically so what's the difference between a bus uh, track and a mixed track or a bus channel and a mixed channel as far as I can tell nothing except the name you know if I were to call that bus 2 now it would be as far as I can tell exactly the same bus 2 if we were, if I look in the um, in the rack, I put what I've now called bus two and bus one that was made automatically next to each other. They are both mix things, and on the back they're the same, except this little light here says channel is used as an output bus. Oh, I see. Or if it was not, then it would not be. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's how that works. So there you go. Aha. And in the show notes, I have added, um, I'll come out of the screen share now, I think we've seen enough. Um, oh, oh dear, I'm on, hang on, go Windows. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the thing. So for reason seven to run, required is, screen share off, this is the really smooth bit. Hey, um, you need either Windows 7 or OS X 7. I'm on um, 10.6.8 on my Mac, and so, yeah, it's been a bit of a palaver, but I have here a Windows 8 box that I'm, I've been playing it out on, so, yeah. So that works fine. It, it does for the limited amount of time I access to it, but yeah, it's all good. Excellent news, excellent news. Mm -hmm. So, uh, would you recommend Reason 7? Yes. I wouldn't... I mean, I wouldn't say go and spend all the money on it if you're not gonna if you're not sure that it's what you love. But I would download it and play with it. And and you if know, you're a reason seven, a reason six user, go and definitely go and upgrade. Definitely. Um, so if you there. became one of those since March, then you'll be able to um, do so for free. So that is a audio podcast thumbs up.
Oh yeah, I should do it that way. It look better. All right, so that's our. Uh, have we ever done reviews before? Is that a new section that we just? We've through? we've not done many reviews. I'd like to do more reviews. I think reviews are fun because basically playing with things with purpose. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I have an idea, and we'll link. We'll we'll just jump uh, maybe a couple of stories so I can fit this one in now. Yep. Um, uh, I, I was thinking of, well, I've already downloaded it, but I was thinking of trying out uh, Digital Performer 8. Um, talking of demos, you said you were trying out the recent demo there. DP8 has a demo, which is, uh, I think, landmark, because before Digital Performer didn't used to have a demo. And I always thought, oh, I'd like to try Digital Performer out in my own time, see what it's like, but you, you can't. Well, now you can. You can download the demo. I think it's uh, a 30-day type situation, so give it a try for 30 days. It's the latest version, DP8, which runs on Mac and now on Windows. Yes. Uh, so I was thinking I would try that out, and who knows, maybe we'll do a review of that in a future episode of the audio podcast. Um, uh, let's, do our, let's do our social media crawl, shall we? Yeah. Um, you can follow the audio podcast on Twitter, at the audio podcast. The email address is show at the audiopodcast.co.uk and you can also go to the website, the audiopodcast.co.uk and see all of the previous show notes and informations and you can also follow the show notes for the currently running show, which is what we're doing today. So I've just jumped ahead and done Digital Performer 8, but let's go back now because we've got a bunch of other updates and other bits of news. Yep, so that was DP8, and we've got WaveLab 8 as well is available. Um, yeah, again, it's a similar thing. You can upgrade if you've bought the latest one. When, it, when, when I heard that Reason 7 was going to have the Spectrum Analyzer in it, I kind of got very high hopes for what that might be like, because WaveLab 8 I've always associated with having good representations of different views of the sounds, which I kind of I, I expect everyone, every software should have should have them as good as that, but they don't. So, but yep, WaveLab. I've not used WaveLab for years, but I'm. I'm. It's a piece of software I feel quite nostalgic about because I spent a lot of time with it back in the day. I don't think I've ever used WaveLab. I've ne that's a stereo editor, is it? It's. It is, but you can do yes, and you can do montages as well, and you can do batch processing, and it, you can apply VST effects. You can have a rec rack of VST effects on a sound, and then you can process a whole folder full of sounds with the same things cool yeah it's it's very powerful and this thing it's kind of it's used mostly for mastering but yeah and you can put cd markers in, in there and things and i suppose a lot more these days and i mean yeah i say i agreed with the stereo but i should imagine it's probably perfectly capable of dealing with all kinds of speaker setups these days excellent so that's wave lab um, elements update zero uh, eight point zero point one, and Steinberg also have an update for Cubase Artist seven point zero point four. Yep, so that's Cubase and Cubase Artist, and um, whether you're getting the full or the stripped down thing. And yeah, they've got a PDF full of all the new features and bug fixes that are in there. Excellent. And shall we stay on? Uh, we'll stay on Steinberg, seeing as we've got another Steinberg at the end of the news. With Notation, now uh, Create Digital Music has reported um, that the Sibelius team, who have been dismissed, 
um, might have a new task going at Steinberg. So, you know, we can speculate all we like, but, you know, it might be a kind of um, uh, a cross between a DAW and a score writer. You know, that's the safe kind of bet, wouldn't it be? It would. I've just spotted, I was looking at the dates on this. Um, this is something that Scott has added to the news, and it's actually quite old. It's, um, it's well, it's in between the last pod- audio podcast we did and this <laughs> one, but it was actually at the end of February this story was reported, and at the bottom of it, um, I haven't read it itself, apart from what you just said, is all I'd gleaned. There's a link to a blog, so let's see if that blog has been updated. There's the welcome there. I haven't there read it, February. it's new to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, that kind of keeping the theme going, we talked about the whole Sibelius thing a while ago. Well, there's updates going up as far as April 5th on the blog that's linked at the bottom of the thing that we link to. So it's so not I'm, a dead-end story there. I'm guessing that this, uh, that what it means is not that Sibelius is going over to Steinberg because Avid own the copyrights for that. They do. Um, it'll be the talent who made Sibelius and who have been let go by Avid who have been picked up by Steinberg. Or some of them, yeah, because there was the whole, there was a bit of a, a hoo-ha when they were laying off stuff, when Avid were laying off the Sibelius team, and it seems that some of them have ended up with with jobs, which is good. Good use of the word hoo-ha there. Thank you. <laughs> right, so let's go back up on the news page, because I've managed to jump a couple of uh, stories. So uh, Google's answer to Spotify... <laughs> Or of the latest chapter in Google's music attempts. Um, <laughs> well, because there was Google Music, didn't really happen, and Google Play is what they call everything that they like, whether it's games or books or what. And, and now, apps, yeah, that, that's like the Android media store, yeah. It is, but well, it's kind of, I guess it's the Google equivalent to the App Store, iTunes, all wrapped up into one, isn't it? And yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's all a bit. Wide reach. Well, anyway, then it's called Google Play Music All Access. Catchy. Mm. Try and say that after five pints. Mm. Um, I probably could, actually. It's not that hard. It's only available in America. You can pay um, about $10, or if you get in early, $8 a month subscription. You can play all you want, syncs across your things, kind of most of the things you would expect. I suspect it's going to be of most interest to people who are already using the Google Play Music thing that mm. existed, but now it'll be better. And those who have an Android device as yes. well. It might be the kind of thing that won't get on iOS because Apple will say, no, it competes with something that we have. Or, or Google won't want to give Apple 30% of any music purchases that occur through the system, that kind of thing. So anyway, there's a, a new way to get music, listen to music. It's a streaming service more like Spotify than it is an app store, though, like uh, yes. than, than like Apple. So uh, did we cover everything on the Digital Performer 8 thing? Oh, uh, well, yeah, we had the Digital Performer 8 story, and actually what I mentioned earlier didn't cover the fact that there are some new things, the 64-bit support, uh, new effects. It has themes, a bit like, I can't remember the name of it now, Reaper. I was going to call it Raptor for a second there. 
Uh, so it's got themes like Reaper um, and some other types of upgrades. So you can head to Motu website and see uh, what Digital Format 8 is all about. Yep. Sam, I've got a question for you. I'm listening. Have you ever used a TR-909? An actual one? No, I have not. I've seen them. I've, I've touched one, but it wasn't oh. switched on. <laughs> so it felt nothing. It, yeah. <laughs> no, you, well, you've done better than me. I, I, I'm not sure if I've seen one before. So I certainly haven't touched one and certainly haven't used one. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you can... Uh, now go and purchase a CD that celebrates this famous bit of dance hardware, effectively. Uh, get on down are releasing this CD, which includes audio samples and commentary from the rapper Schooly D. Mm, I've never heard of, of him, which might show my ignorance of, uh, of the rap genre. But uh, seeing as Scott Hewitt put that one in, and me and Sam don't really know what to say about it. I think we'll call the news section to an end. Well, I think that things will be a bit more um, current next week. It'll be a bit less of a temporal stretch again. That's a link, the story that was partly linked to the um, record store day, which would have been fun to talk about, but it was a while ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> um, does that bring us to the plunder? So, it oh, does. Really <laughs> it seems it's, it's almost worth putting the um, Google Hangout hats on with pirates, but we're not going. I'm, I'm not going to. You can. I'm going to get straight on and say what the first one is because I posted it. Daft question. Um, apparently, Daft Punk have a new album coming out, or is it out? I don't know. What's it called? Don't know. Um, it's but, called Random Access Memories. I think it was released digitally last week or before and those waiting for physical much still waiting not sure okay I wonder there's been they're... a bit of a hoo-ha because it's uh, I don't know it, it's strange because uh, the type of thing it is there's a lot of hype about it uh, I don't know I tend to not follow stuff that's too hyped until there's something to back it up Anyway, all, along on their promotional journey, they had a chat with Lauren Laverne over at BBC Radio 6. Um, had a, a, a good old 20-minute chat. And near the end, they started... Uh, was the question posed to them about the crisis in EDM? I think they must have mentioned it elsewhere and it was brought up, you know, you've said this, what do you mean kind of thing. And if a hey, nice hat... Um, yeah, so apparently they think that there's a lack of individual identity in sound because everyone's sharing the same setup, whereas in their... Yeah, they, they've apparently they've never used computers in their music making, They've although they used a lot of electronic equipment, um, samplers and sequencers, drum machines. They had all these individual elements connected together, which gave them their sound. And yeah. their, their thesis, their idea there is that... Um, Everybody's just you know, opening the same cans and pouring and out the same and sound. Everyone's lazy because computers allow you to shortcut the thing, and and right. you know they can. The way I see it is they can have that opinion. That's fine. You know that they have a practice which they've developed over years and years, and it works for them, and that's fine. But 
you can't just dismiss the computer as a tool for music because the computer has pushed forward what is possible. People don't just copy other people with computers. They create all new kinds of things and bring music creation to a bunch of people who couldn't have had access to it before. So it's, uh, I don't really agree with their view. I, their, their opinion is fine, but you know, computers, are, I think are great for music and it's, it's the problem they have is actually a, a human problem. It's the artist to decide to copy or to try and sound like someone else. A computer could be argued to make that easier, but you, you, someone still has to decide to do that. Or that person could decide to develop their own style and take the technology and use it in a way that analog technology couldn't be used in a month of Sundays and create something brand new. And that's what I think. I, I, I love computers. <laughs> Me too. I, was, I almost made a tenuous link to the next thing there, but it didn't quite go. So I'll stick with this for one more point, which was the, um, the general concept of working with a large production team. So when you're making an album, rather than just saying, right, we're, we are like this people who work under a particular name and we're working on a thing, involving lots of other people like a cast and a crew of similar to what you would have in movie production. You wouldn't expect a film to be made by just the director's name who's on the top. It involves lots and lots of people all coming together to realise a single thing. Yeah. So anyway, everyone can have their opinion on Daft Punk's position. I think it's it's basically just a, a, a really good reason to have a chat with Lauren Laverne on BBC Radio 6 and you know, plug the album a bit more. You have to say they've done a very good job with promotion. A very good job. My inclusion of this is a bit of a nod to that. There was, yeah, I, I'd heard on the radio about the TV spot, which I then did see at one point. It was about like five seconds long. It's just the Daft Punk name. I, it's, it's, we're still talking about it. We're still, you see, yeah. I'm, even though I'm, I mean, I, I've, I've, I'm very neutral on Daft Punk. I, I have enjoyed their output, but I'm not bothered at the same time. Uh, I, the early stuff, like very much, kind of really lost contact with it myself. The single I've heard from the album, I thought was, you know, it's fine. It's a nice tune. There's, there's nothing really amazingly, for me personally, there's nothing special about it. It's not like, oh my God, I must have this single. I must hear this again. It was, I just thought it was, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> Which is a pretty terrible reaction. Anyway, let's... Let's move on. Let's move on to the next thing because I I like the next one. I I watched this video at lunchtime. Um, we all have some kind of connection to Pro Tools, even if you haven't used it. You can have your opinion. Oh, Pro Tools is terrible. Rah, rah, rah. Um, but you know, Pro Tools is a foundational part of music technology. It has been ever since it was released. Um, and Which, here is a video celebrating that. Yep. So from the first. Pro Tools hardware back in 1991 up until the latest stuff in 2013. This dude goes through and he's been involved in um, distributing and selling this hardware for the entire, for all that time. And um, yeah, he talks through all the cards and the updates and the advances they introduced at the different points. It's it's entertaining and educational and yeah, <laughs> I like it. It is good. It's kind of, it's, it's really quite nerdy, but because you get to the point where, like, oh, I remember that. 
like at some point, not not the earlier stuff, but it's it's well, also interesting to think about the earlier stuff, how like unaware of all this stuff you were at that age, and the idea that in 1991, you know, if you had having four four voices, four audio <laughs> tracks at the same time. I was like, wow, Notate is amazing, and you've got this thing <laughs> doing four audio tracks. And yeah, no, I think when we were young, we wouldn't have even realised the significance of Pro Tools. And uh, wait, 91, I would have been 10, so I didn't even know how computers could be made to, to, to make music that way. But uh, yeah, seeing his little rack, because basically in the background, he goes through the rack of uh, old equipment from the old blackface... Uh, uh, old school Pro Tools stuff to 24-bit stuff, HD. And he's got all the cards as well, which he kind of pulls out the new bus cards and these PCI cards. And it reminded me that one time I bought a, a bunch of stuff off eBay, like a job lot on eBay, which was a couple of computers and some other stuff. And in this was an old, I think it was an 882 uh, Pro Tools interface and some random Pro Tools card, which actually didn't work with it. I wasn't expecting it to. I think it was just, it could have been useful if it worked, and I can't remember what I did with uh, all this old kit, but um, I, I never actually used it. Uh, all my Pro Tools experience, personally, has been with LE. He doesn't go into LE. That's no. the one, maybe that's the one thing missing. He doesn't talk about LE or any of the like native new stuff. It's true. But, hey, it's a nice little 10 minute uh, journey through the beginning of Pro Tools um, hardware to our current HD, HDX systems. Yep. And the guy delivering it is like, genuinely excited by what he's talking about, which is just nice to see. So, yeah. All right, then. Um, microphones. Frequently asked questions. The Shaw blog um, have an apostrophe missing in the title. What's the difference between the SM58 and the Beta 58A. Do you know? Do you know what the difference is, Adam? Yes, because I read the article at, at lunchtime. Uh, I didn't read it all though, and I won't have got all the information. But uh, they're made slightly differently. The the beta has, uh, I think, it, it catches uh, a brighter signal, or yep. trans transfer. It's got a different magnet in it, um, and and some other stuff. Yeah, so the beta's got a super cardioid rather than cardioid pickup, which, so it's not a case that one's better than the other, it depends on the application. Exactly. Basically, yeah. So, yeah, in many ways the beta is a, has is enhanced, an enhanced version. If this is better, that is stronger, but... It's actually, you could use either uh, in the particular scenario that you use it, one will be better than the other, and vice versa for another scenario. So there you go. Remember, not you can't just discount a mic because it looks cheap or it's not made by uh, AKG or uh, um, Neumann or, or whatever. You know, any bit of hardware can be useful if you find the right application for it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I've been hack I've been yeah, I tried various things getting different bits. I was gonna run some audio from Reason and I was using multiple sound cards and wires here, there and everywhere and contemplate when when it came to the point it's like, Oh, if I get my sorting iron and cut that then I thought, No, I'm going too far. <laughs> really just if you want to be able to do that stuff, spend some money. <laughs> but you know, if you don't have money, don't do that stuff. Find something else to do. Yeah. And I was gonna use my uh 
my dynamic mic today in the podcast and realised I didn't have an XLR cable. I don't know if that links to your story, but well, I remember I, I took my XLR cable away and did something else with it, and now it's somewhere else. And I was like, oh, why do I only have one XLR cable here, and why have I taken it away? So there you go. Remember, basically, spend a little bit more, have an XLR cable in all major places you're likely to stay. You'll keep one in your bag and one at home and yeah. one at work. <laughs> But no matter what you do, it's always. It seems like it's always the cables. The cables are all the adapters that are like that are short. You know, you always you always need one more, no matter how much you've got. Oh, hold. Um, let me show you something. I've got it. I've got it in my little box of tricks here. Um, I bought this on eBay because uh, I went through a bit of a, a, a period of buying GoBots on video. It's a GoBots travel kit, and it's basically a little bag. That you put all your little GoBots in, all your little transforming GoBot toys. GoBots, for anyone who doesn't know, GoBots is the cheap version of Transformers. Oh right. Oh, I, and look, I actually didn't know, Adam. I was. I'm glad you clarified that before I had to ask. And so it's, Inside... just a, it's a little bag, and actually, it's full of cables. It's amazing. So let's uh, let's have a little rundown here. So we've got a <laughs> a. a Splitter, uh, a jack splitter. I think I have the one that goes the other way. There. I don't know if that's like a, no, that's not a stereo version of that. I can't. Oh no, I know why I have those. Uh, 3.5 mil. Uh, the standard 3.5 to uh, RCA stereo. Um, some 3.5. Um, whatever they're called. Uh, the big version. <laughs> uh, of course, these bad boys. Oh, yes, is that to um, turn your Furno into jacks? Into big jacks, yeah. yeah. And, then I've, and then you've got that, the, the headphone expander. And I, uh, I've also got a Vox, a little Vox amplifier for headphone listening and guitar. So... A very, very weird little selection of cables there. I, th I should have more useful cables, I think. I would have thought that the... Does your guitar not have a guitar case? Would the Vox thing not live in the guitar case? I mean... You... Uh, it would, but I don't... I, I have two of those. I've got that one, and I've got a bass one, which I use with my bass, which is just out on my table all the time, because I practice mm -hmm. with that all the time. Um, so, yeah, but I don't really practice with the guitar, so I haven't got that out. But maybe, uh, maybe in the future. Maybe later this year. I have a um a Vox bass amp plug thing, um, and I've I've only ever used it on the bass. But a lot of times I've thought, could I use it on this, that, the other different things? Would I damage it if I just plugged it into random stuff? No, I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think it works very well for bass. It, or maybe it's just the Vox amplifier in it. I don't like the tone. Like mm. I, it's too dull, and I've got it like maxed out on brightness the whole time on tone. It's uh, it's at maximum. But they're useful little dudes, you know. I practice on bass on them all the time. I don't have an amp at the moment, so that's what I do, and I don't uh, annoy the neighbours. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, that was a little bit of a side track, a little like alleyway where I, I was. I got out my my cables and showed everyone on the internet my my cables. Uh, but you know what? I think we should call this audio podcast episode to an end. 
so yep that was um, eight, episode 85 and we'll be back next week probably not Tuesday but at some point with more with more the audio podcast thank you for listening oh don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter the audio podcast uh, the audio podcast at UK's website and you can email us at show at the audio UK. hopefully Scott will be back with us next week as well that'll be sweet anyway Thank you for listening. I'm Adam Yanch, signing off. I'm Samuel Freeman.